You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Okay, break it down, people. A special episode today. Quite excited about it. Uh, today on the show, I'm going to talk to Czar Castillo, and, or Castillo. I'll ask him how he pronounced his name. I don't know. But he was the promoter of Never Say Never Festival that we played a couple of weeks ago in South Texas that precipitated the episode How to Lose $5,000. So if for, if for some reason you didn't listen to that episode already, uh, please, before you go any further with this one, go back and listen to that one. Um, Emory, we played a festival, didn't get paid. And we did a podcast about it. So today, I'm really excited to talk to Czar, who was actually the promoter, the actual guy who, who ran the festival that we were trying to get money from. And uh, so it should be pretty fun. Uh, also, I got an announcement about the show today, and that is that we're going to be doing this show on the air on internet radio soon. We got picked up by a station called Adobe Radio. And so for 7 o'clock on Thursdays, this show is going to be airing uh, either live or pre-recorded and hopefully live and interactively at some point. I'm trying to get it to that. But but the first place the show will premiere is Thursday nights at 7. That's starting next week or April 7th uh, will be the first time that that happens. I have James Paul Wisner that recorded you know, Under Oath and 238 and Further Seems Forever and Dashboard Confessional. So that will be a good episode too. And we're going to do that next Thursday night, April 7th. Now, I'm also playing around with a little bit of video on this too because I, something I'm really interested in is video, live video, streaming, stuff like that. So I will make one more pitch here for people to please shop through my Amazon link. It's on the website. Uh, and also, Here's the really cool model about podcasting and the kind of stuff we do. You can pay what you want for it. I am very happy for people to listen to this for free, and there's zero guilt trip on that. But if you'd like to pay a dollar or $5 an episode or whatever you like, you can go to my website, breakitdownpod.com, and you can pay for it. And that money, in the immediate term, I use it for my child care for my daughter, Georgia. And then beyond that, I'm looking to get a nice camera. Uh, I want to get something that'll record more than 30 minutes at a time without having to restart it. And I'm looking to get maybe even a hardware encoder so that I could have it go straight up to the internet when I record episodes. Those are the things I'm playing around with, stuff I'm interested in at the moment. So just, that's the way it goes. So, all right, let's get rolling. I'm doing this episode live, so I'm going to roll the music. I got Zara on hold, and then we're going to, we'll get to it. Thank you, Dada. Break it down. All right, you ready to go, Zara? You can hear all that? Yeah, yes, sir. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. All right. Yeah. Czar, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. All right, so let me jump right into it here and not go straight to pleasantries. We'll go, we'll jump right into it here. So I like to prepare for these episodes. I do, I'll, I always say I want to w- prepare and make notes and think about what I'm going to do for an hour and then I want to record the show for an hour. That's the way I like to do it. So I sat down last night to try to think, knowing that I was going to have you on, of what questions I could ask. And I, you know, I'll map it out and stuff like that. And I, I didn't really have it. I couldn't come up with any good map. I just wanted to have the conversation. And so I only wrote down one question. So I'll begin with the only one question that I wrote down to do today. So here we go. 
Czar, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's my that question. That is a great question. That is a great <laughs> fucking question. Oh, man, yeah, it was, uh, it's been a unbearable last two weeks. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's nuts being in our position after everything that happened. You know, we've been, personally, we've been doing this for 12 years. You know, I started throwing concerts at the age of 19, you know, right mm-hmm. out of high school. Um, never in our entire life did we ever see something like this happening. You know, we've, we've, we're veterans in this, you know, 12, 12 years, that's amounted to over 350 concerts, mm-hmm. eight annual festivals. And, you know, and that career in music has been nothing but a great one. You know, a lot of ups and downs. I mean, I've always said anyone that wants to do anything in music, it's a roller coaster ride for everyone, whether you're the promoter, you're the musician, the, the production crew. I mean, it's a full circle that goes around and putting the stuff that we do together. Yeah. And yeah, never say never. I mean, we never, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's weird how it's called never say never, but we never saw that coming. We never saw that mm-hmm. happen. Well, you know, I'd like, I'm curious about the background, other stuff you've done and all that. And I think we'll get to it, but let's just start, right? I, what I was asking, what happened here? Why, why, what happened? Tell me what happened. At the festival? Why is easy. there not any, why isn't there enough money? What happened? Well, then we'll, get, we'll get into all the other stuff, yeah. but specifically on this one, working backwards. What, what went yeah. wrong? No, yeah, what happened was that this festival was, in four words, easily put, you know, the most expensive and the least attended. Mm-hmm. You know, never expected to have anywhere near the number of attendants that we had for, for the festival, you know, with the lineup that we had. Mm-hmm. You know, from you guys to Deftones to the Devil Wears Prada, I mean, we thought we had every, uh, all the elements done right. And, mm-hmm. and going back to marketing as well, I mean, we... To us, we did the most we have ever done in any mm-hmm. festival, any concert that we've ever done, you know, from radio everywhere south of San Antonio all the way down to Mexico. We were on television. Oh. We were on billboards. We were on digital media. Mm-hmm. I mean, we covered all of our bases, all yeah, of our bases. I even saw a TV and, commercial that you made. Yeah. So what, but what went wrong? What is the problem? I, I mean, whose fault is it in a sense, but what went wrong? I think what went wrong was that we overextended ourselves. You know, we, I think we bit off more than we could chew mm-hmm. and, you know, it's unfortunate because we never saw something like this happen. I mean, could you really believe that there's only going to be 1,800 people at a festival with this incredible lineup? We never saw that coming. You know, how many we, people did you? I mean, as it was getting close, you in your mind certainly had a number that you knew you needed to break even, right? You know that as a yeah. promoter, if you've been doing it as long as you have, what? How many people did you need to be there to not take a loss? Oh man, I think we were looking to have uh, we we needed like at least 3,500 people to break even, you know, mm-hmm. and. With the lineup that we had, we're like, oh man, this is going to be like 3,500 is it's a no brainer. You know, 5,000 sounds about right. 7,000 would be a magical. You know, I mean, uh-huh. these guys have been putting on great festivals, great shows in regards to the lineup, uh, more so our headliner. I mean, everyone, San Antonio for them sold out in, you know, two hours. Uh, Lubbock sold out, Houston sold out. And we ended up being the only festival that just kind of got stuck in a weird position. Well, was there something where, wrong with the market, with McAllen? I mean, you've been doing shows there. I mean, where are the... It's, it's always been a very difficult market. I mean, we are a very, very, very small market. We're a tertiary mm-hmm. market. You know, we're nowhere yeah. near the size of San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. Um, so we've always had a really hard time. And really, that's how our beginning was. You know, no shows were coming down in, in South Texas. You know, we, mm-hmm. I started at 19 because no one really was throwing the kind of shows that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start booking some bands and start bringing some activity down here. And going back to the market, it's a very small market. And then when you put this kind of music in one festival, that market even goes down even smaller with the kind of people that actually make, 
possibly could enjoy this kind of music. Not everyone's a rock fan. You so know? you didn't think there was going to be two, two or three thousand people walk up. I mean, you knew you were in trouble. How, how long before? How long before I got on my airplane to come to South Texas? Did you know we were all in trouble? Well, we, we didn't see it that way, honestly. I mean, we knew the walk-up potential could be huge. You know, uh, our market is very much a late market where everyone buys their tickets last minute. Mm-hmm. You know, more so because this market has always been, had that, um, like, had, had that anomaly where a lot of bands cancel or, or, or people book fake concerts. Or, you know, not long ago, someone tried booking uh, hip-hop artist Fetty Wap and uh, Post Malone, and it was fake the entire time. Mm-hmm. So this market has had really funky promoters that announce a show yeah. and quote-unquote book a show. Then they cancel a week out or, oh, sorry, guys, this isn't happening. And luckily for us, that's never happened to us. You know, we've always mm-hmm. had a very strong rapport with our artists and our shows. So we're like, okay, well, I mean, this is a rock community. Yeah, there's a lot of events going on, but... We can get you know a couple thousand people to walk. So up to. it was day of, dur- day of at least once. Is, I mean, somewhere during the middle of the day, it had to become really stressful, and you became acutely aware that you're that you're going to have a, a storm on your hands, right? And that that happened. So that was in the middle yeah. of that day before you honestly knew that you were in trouble. To me, it was around eight o'clock in the evening when I knew what our numbers were because for uh-huh. for the entire day, you know, both George and I. George is my my fifty percent mm-hmm. partner on this festival. Yeah. I mean, more, more than anything, we wanted to make sure the festival went on, everyone had a good time, try to accommodate all Well, there was other problems. At the, I mean, the back line and the scheduling, it got about an hour behind, and Beartooth yeah, had to play true. on another stage that, what, and then, you know, they had it pretty bad. There was another band that traveled down there and didn't yeah, get to play at all. What happened with the, the, the non-financial aspects of the festival that made it go poorly if you've done eight of these before? You know what, um, the, for the production stuff, it's something that's kind of out of my element. You know, I'm not too familiar with some of the terminology when it comes to production. Uh, that's where my, my partner, George, takes care of more of the production stuff. Mm-hmm. So to me, honestly, it's uh, not for lack of trying. It's just like, hey, man, uh, main stage is running late. Uh, yeah. we got to move the band and this and the other. And I'm just like, well, fuck. I mean, mm-hmm. make it work. Make it happen. Make sure everyone's happy. Make sure the Devil Wears Prada is happy. Make sure Deftones is happy. Make sure any other band that's involved in this, make, make sure they're happy. So to me, the production issues, it, it, it sucks, but it's kind of out of my control. You know, I, I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to production. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and that's where really I rely on my, some of my team to help me, you know, help, help run all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We really put a lot of confidence in our production companies that we work with. And, uh, you know, sometimes they make mistakes just like everyone else. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're running late, whether it be a band's problem or the production problem or a backline problem, uh, you know, we have to you know, take that into effect with the production company after the fact. Well, let's talk about the money a little bit. Let's discuss what is happening money-wise specifically. When we left, you said that you would wire some money, that we would get, the people would get paid. You just needed the money to clear. You knew at that time there wasn't enough money, though. So yeah, we let, need- let me go over it a little bit just in, yeah. in a way like I, I don't discredit you for necessarily being less than, than honest there because that's a really tough spot. Um, even if you know that there's not enough money there, it's, it's really hard to look at people even just from a physical thing when you have nine men, t- tour manager types, some of them are tough and everything and say, I messed up or there is no money. That, that just... It, I don't know that I would tell the truth in, in that situation e- either, but what's funny about it is everybody... You know, you can really smell that it's not going to go well anyway, and so there's a little bit of pretense there where you're saying we're going to get paid, and we're saying sure, but we don't really believe it. But there's not a whole lot you can do there to diffuse that. But um, 
but that was really tough. But so where so needless to say, nobody got their wires on Tuesday. I mean, the money didn't all come in. There isn't enough. Are you paying anybody? Who are you paying? Yeah, actually, we've been in communication with every single band, uh, whether it's usually their agent or their manager, whoever we talk to, mm-hmm. to kind of really what we've, we're asking. We're humbly asking for everyone's help. How uh, short are you? How much money do you oh owe? Oh, God. Uh, it's embarrassing to say, but we're, we're around $180,000 short of the festival. So what we've been trying to do ever since then, ever since, uh, I mean, we took the weekend to just kind of like. Can you tell us how much Deftones, you know what to did do. Deftones I mean, get paid? Deftones got 50%. They got 50%. got 50%. So what, what, and going back on it a little bit is that, you know, we. What we, bands already got 50%? Deftones. What bands already got 50%? Deftones. Yeah. Who else? Deftones, the Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada already got wired, not intention to, but they received. I haven't verified with them, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. They got 50% of their money already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Uh, I mean, Real Friends got paid in full. We've already started taking care of a lot of the smaller bands. You know, like we want to okay. basically since then, you know, long story short is that either a lot of bands got 50% up front even before the festival. Some and, bands did have deposits. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of bands. Mm-hmm. Bands had, not, not a lot of big seven, eight bands had deposits already before the festival. And um, Why, didn't we, why the festival, didn't we get one? We were supposed to get one on February 18th, my sheet said. And I, didn't, I assumed that we had gotten it. And then I found out, I was kind of gloating with the other uh, tour managers there that, well, at least we got our 50% already. That's good. And then I came to find out later that we hadn't gotten ours. But why didn't we get our, our deposit? I don't know. It just didn't make it in on time. So, I mean, um, sometimes... Damn. We've, we've always just kind of had that, um, I mean, I don't know, we've always paid our bills, always. So, I mean, this is well, a yeah, first for us. That, where, that, that's the interesting part about it, and I want to get to that, because if yeah. you short people, then you can't even, promoters won't, I mean, agents won't give you any more shows. So, yeah. you do have a long history and track record, and it is reasonable to say that this is, is an, somewhat, at least, of an anomaly of your career thus far. Um, but, but you did have enough money without going into, I mean, I don't, nobody expects you, uh, uh, how old are you? I'm 31. 31-year-old in South Texas putting on shows to have hundreds, you know, six figures laying around to make good on a bad bet here. It's really, yeah, exactly. it's really an unbelievable situation that you could even get. It just sounds like a ridiculously bad idea to be a promoter in, in that It really in is tough world. to be a promoter, man. But, but I mean, I'm not letting you off the hook, so don't, don't let me get too soft on you on that. Who, I mean, so all the money that you do have and collected has been paid out at this point? Oh, yeah. Right now, we're at big fat zero. Okay, so you have zero right now. So everybody that's gotten any money has gotten what they're going to get. And then beyond that, it'll be up to you to try to make good on it. Exactly. Okay, well, well, let me interject one more second here. I will certainly report exactly where Emory is at right now on on that. Now, we did not get 50% of our money. However... Um, and I don't, I can't verify that these other bands got their money either, but, um, our agent, well, not our agent, I'm sorry, our manager, Jason Malhoyt, who I gave a little hard time to on the last episode. Well, you heard the last episode, right? Okay. Actually, I didn't, man. Okay. I, 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 didn't, I didn't have the hard time. Okay, good. That's fine. That's fine. You wouldn't make you feel any better, but it would give you some perspective on what a band feels like. And that's all that episode was intended to do was get me and Toby and Dave, Josh talking the next day about what, what's going on, educate people, tell how we feel. In which case, I told that our manager, and I didn't name his name at the time because I was saying relatively negative things like he didn't get the deposit and, you know, there wasn't, you know, I, I gave, I, I painted it like it was from my point of view. So he's a little bit bummed on it, but I'm going to report on work he's been doing 
today, and I'm I'm pleased with our manager. I like our manager. I think he's great. His name's Jason Malhoyt, and so I'll say his name since I'm going to talk positively of him today. Um, but he has got in contact with you and was and actually was able to get Emory paid somewhat so far. So he's already gotten $1,000 from you. Uh, he, he went directly to you and said that he was going to be nice, and he seemed to be nice and agreeable and not take a really rough approach. And you agree and made a deal with you that you would pay us in, in line somewhat before other bands if we could agree to take a less amount. So he struck a deal with you to get 2000 or 2500 somewhere along half and that if we could get that now before you run out of money then we would let it go and that we'd settle in a sense to get some money yep. now nicely without having to do anything legal or crazy if you'd pay us 2000 or 2500 I don't remember then we'll we will if we can get in line in front of other bands and do that so be it and he asked me was that okay and I said if you can get money in the situation Credit to you. So not totally off the hook, of course. It's not like the happiest thing in the world, but we already got $1,000 that came through. So I told people I'd report that and I'd happily report it. And I can't say I'm happy to have only gone to South Texas and played to lose $3,000 because we spent about four grand outlined in the last episode with our flights and travel and stuff like that. So we got $1,000 from you so far and you're at zero. So are we going to get, how about that other uh, other thousand or 1,500, Joe? Are we going to get that? Yeah, I mean, the deals that we're striking with everyone, it's everyone's going to get paid with the deals that we're agreeing to. So, I mean, okay, so you guys, are making reduction deals with everybody because there, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, don't believe for a second that you're going to pay back $180,000 or $50,000 or $60,000 out of pocket. I just don't think that's, first of all, yeah, I don't, I mean, right? It's crazy to think, honestly, but we have a lot of support here in South Texas. You know, every, the local media went crazy with, uh, you know, with what happened on uh, that day and really centralized, like, I guess the whole festival to the point that it's ruined the festival. Mm-hmm. And, and, and honestly, I mean, it's ruined our livelihood. I mean, this is something that we've been... This is your career is promoting. You make, you, so you make your full living from promoting shows. No, not necessarily. This has always been like a, like mm-hmm. a hobby of mine. I mean, bringing music to South Texas is like... What else man, do you, what do, you no do for a living? I'm sorry? What do you do for a living otherwise? I, I'm a marketer. Okay. Do digital marketing, stuff so like that, that? So that's kind of how, like, my responsibility to the festival is. That, mm-hmm. So, man, and, and I hope I did my job on the festival. I mean, we were everywhere, but uh, Stone wasn't enough. So going back to the deals that we're, we're happily agreeing with to with bands is most of the Well, ha- I don't know about ha- what's worse. Who's happy? Happily who? The, the, I mean, the bands are happily yeah, agreeing I mean, to I mean, it. <laughs> We'd rather bands get paid something than nothing, uh-huh. you know, because the harsh reality is that, man, we can easily raise a white flag, file bankruptcy, and no one gets paid. That's kind of what I expected, I would yeah. have to say. I mean, if you're going to go under anyway or get blackballed or blacklisted, I don't know exactly how it works. We can discuss it. But I, I, it, it kind of escapes me why you would pay anybody beyond what you – I mean, I can understand you liquidating all the costs and, and ticket money that you got in, but on another hand – it's going to be hard for you to put on another show. I mean, I guess if you make enough deals and pay in full, perhaps you can do shows again. I'm not sure that people will trust you, but why would you even want to not, you know, wave the white flag there? You know, I, I feel like, you know, both Gio and I are, are, have always been trying to be men of our words, you know, and it, it sucks that we cannot, you know, like, man, okay, I don't mind. I hope you don't mind if I, you know, put out the five thousand dollar figure for. No, I already told people that. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you know, I'd rather pay them something Mm -hmm. than nothing at all to at least hold their relationships, hold the. 
I mean, I've been doing this for 12 years. So a lot of the managers and agents that I've worked with, I mean, some of them are like my friends, you know, mm-hmm. so I've, I've, and that to me is powerful. That to me is the reason. So why you I intend to make right can. enough with everybody to where you can do shows again. You know, at this point, not even. I mean, I've come to the realization that that was probably the last festival. That could be the last show. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's like, how can I live with myself and, mm-hmm. and if, to, 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 have, to have that burden on me, to have that over my shoulders? So, I mean, a lot of bands have been really cool. And I was like, you know what, man? Like, we can help you out. Like, like, let's, like, for you guys, for example, I mean, we're very, very happy and, and grateful that, you, that we were able to strike a deal that, hey, man, at least mm-hmm. you guys get something because... And even, it was even before the podcast, you know, so sure. nothing really made the difference to us because we've been calling almost everyone. And if there's a, if, and if we see it, and it's only if we see it, like if a certain band is charging X amount of money, like, and we know that they're getting a lot less on a regular tour, it's like, help us out, man. Like, you know, this really, this, this hurt us really bad. Mm-hmm. And we need you to survive as much as you need us to survive. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a full circle. So when bands are charging two, three, or four times their typical amount just because we're a festival, we're the ones that take on that risk. Yeah, that, that's, so. that's, a, that's a quite a reality. Now, on one, but, but let's just talk about us specifically. Emory got paid $5,000 for this festival. Or what, no, sorry, we did not. We were supposed to get paid $5,000 for this festival, which to us is a low festival guarantee. We like to get closer to double that to to justify traveling four days spending four or five grand we think maybe if we could get you know by the time everything's said and done if i'm going to be gone for several days for a one-off festival then i'm hoping to get five hundred a thousand dollars in my pocket in terms of i mean and that's what you need to do that to make more than a couple hundred dollars and so yes we don't get seven thousand or eight thousand or ten thousand playing club shows but that's that's because it's really hard for us to get out there. It's not a gouge for us. So $5,000 is close to break even, and we only added this festival because we had two of them that were low-paying that we could kind of group together and spend the day together and get a rehearsal day. Or we, we, we declined $5,000 festival offers all the time. And it's not because we're greedy. It's because that's what it costs. In fact, we spent $4,000 in the days leading up to the next festival that we had, had yeah. that been the only one. So in this case... Still, uh, even if we had gotten paid, it would have been very close to a break even, even to do your festival. Now, on the other hand, you're paying more than technically Emory's worth in tickets in McAllen, Texas. Because if we come there and play a club show and do a door deal, we know we're not going to earn five grand. So yes. you're taking this responsibility on yourself, saying I'm going to pay Emory more than they technically are worth, but it is what they need or the market value I can get them here for. And if I package all these bands together, hopefully that it will incentivize you know that and it, somehow it works out. It seems like a bad idea to me. It seems like running a festival is a bad idea. If I had a son, I would say, don't do it. Yeah, if I, I mean, had a friend and he said, I'm going to get the Deftones and pay him 100 grand or whatever, don't, I would say, don't do it. There's, yeah, there's I mean, almost yeah, only there risk there. Be doing it. I guess it's high reward, though. Like If, if 7,000 people showed up, you would have made out like a bandit because you don't have to split back end with them, with everybody. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, the, the festival economics are, are, are fun to think about, and, but the, the harsh reality is that and we're the living proof right now that, and it's not easy. It's casino type odds. I mean, it's not like stock market type odds. It's like casino shit. Yeah, it really does take a, a gambler mindset and someone that likes to take risks. And, and we, and both my partner and I have, have always done that. I mean, every show we've taken on since the very beginning, yeah. it's always risk, no matter what. No and matter I, and I, I respect that, and people can and should respect that. But let me demonstrate, let me point out that the risk this time you we're risking, you know, our, our money, even. 
in, in this sense. So that's where it's tough because you made a risky bet. With our, we didn't know it was we didn't know it was risky, kind of going into it. We didn't know there was what chance there was that we wouldn't get paid. So yeah. that's that's where it really becomes painful. And I and I think I want to clear up too that people say, but don't you love playing music? Aren't you glad you got to play for your fans? Yes, and yes. But let me just try to describe the difference in this and that. If Toby and Dave and Josh and I and Andy lived in Seattle and we went out to a bar on Thursday night. And there was bands playing. It was open mic night. And somebody goes, dude, Emery, why don't y'all get up and rock a set? Uh, and we said, okay, and did that. Um, I w- that would be fun. And if they said, well, if they said, well, we'll give you $5,000 if y'all go, you know, go up there and do a 30-minute set right now. And we said, okay, and then went and played that set and then went back to our table, sat down, had our drinks, and went home and then didn't get paid. Okay, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not that I value my minutes of headbanging to be, you know, $85 per headbang and $50 per strum of the guitar. It's not that. I understand that. And I'm glad I like doing it anyway. Once, that was the highlight of being there was getting to play the show for the fans. But um, the, all the stuff going into it, the opportunity cost and, and what we don't do and how it works – is not like that at all. It's much more akin to your job is a salesman. And so you fly to Toledo to do a sales pitch to a big company. You work for a big company and you're the salesman to another big company. You go there, you fly there, you stay in the hotel, you're going to get reimbursed for all your travel and you're going to make this sale, hopefully, if you nail it, and then you're going to get the commission and that's your job. And you tell your wife and kids, I'm gone Thursday to Monday. I've got the big meeting. Wish me luck. You go there. You nail it. You're prepared. You nail the sales meeting. Um, you land the client for the company. You call your boss and say, it's great. Baby, I'm coming home. And then the company, doesn't, the company that you work for says, oh, we're we, uh, having some payroll issues. No commission for you. Thanks for getting us the sale. Because we came in. We did. We did. We came and we played. So we did. And we enjoyed it. And so that that's rough if you look at it from a, from a professional point of view because we could have done another festival. We could have done a show. We could have written a few songs in the studio for, for time for that money. We could have done anything. And we not, so we were counting on the money and spent time on it. So both, both are really tough. So that's yeah. I mean, I, know, I think at the end of the day, I think everyone lost. You know, from the bands that played it. I mean, hopefully, and again, we're trying to pay off as much as we can. And, and you know, the cool thing, not cool thing, but the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is that you know everyone has been doing their part in helping out wherever they can, mm-hmm. whether it's reductions or pay, payment terms. So or, even the Deftones, the Deftones are cooperative, or how, they're, how's they're that going? Cooperating right now, yeah. They're, they're not going to sue you, for instance. I mean, we hope not. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hope it doesn't get to that point. But we're trying to. We really are trying our hardest. And, and the cool thing about going back to the having light in the tunnel is that we have a lot of local support right now. And so you know, some of our efforts include you know launching a GoFundMe campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working with a venue to throw a couple benefit shows. Anything that we can do to not necessarily save the festival, but just kind of you know show that McAllen does have some sort of music scene that mm-hmm. contributes and you know work together. And we have a lot of support from local bands and local people that have been attending that have been attending our festival for the past eight years. That I mean, none of us wanted to see this the, go down the way it did, but the unfortunate reality is that it did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did. I mean, there's there's no excuses. There's no. There's no, there's no money, so it, it's, it was the worst bet we've ever had a place on. We understand the magnitude of it. We understand how it affects you and all the bands involved, and production and staffing and fans and, and our livelihood, what we do for the city of McAllen, you know, what we do for South Texas. 
I mean, we've ruined the the festival mm-hmm. and and the and our even our own livelihoods are you know getting a little steam right now. So it sucks, and it sucks for me. It sucks for you. It sucks for everyone. Mm-hmm. But so, at this point, we can only move forward if we fix everything together. And, and pay off as much as we can, whether it's out of pocket, investors, loans, whatever it takes. We're working on. Well, it. in a sense, I'm glad to hear that. I don't want. I don't wish any ill will on you. Um, certainly, I don't. I'm glad to hear other people don't either. I'm. I'm. So that even the Deftones that have the most on the line in a financial sense and po- possibly the resources or, or legal abilities to, to do something about it, I, I guess I would say I am pleased to hear that they're not, um, that you have an ability to work with them on some of that is good yes. news. So when the Deftones were on stage playing. And all the tour managers were. We were giving you a hard time and trying to figure that situation out. They didn't know at that time, because I left uh, before they got sure. off stage at that point. And I yeah. don't know what was the settlement. What was the, what was the, explaining it to Deftone situation. How how did that go down later that night? Uh, honestly, they they. Uh it wasn't me. It was Gio. Gio was the one communicating with Deftones that entire day, mm-hmm. and he broke the news to them at the end of the festival. Like, hey man, you know, there's no funds right now. We'll take care of you guys next week. And uh, they they honestly didn't didn't you know go crazy. They were like okay, you know next week whatever. So their they tour were manager easy. was they that easy. It. Yeah, for them it was actually uh, fairly easy. Maybe they already knew what kind of representation they had, or, sure. or I don't know. I mean, hmm. I don't know. But I wasn't there in the room when that happened, uh, so I really can't speak for it. Just kind of what I know. Right. You know? That's that's pretty interesting to think about it from that point. I I thought there was a couple. I mean, you know. Like I said, I'm not here. I've, I've given you some tough questions, I guess, so far, and I don't even think that. But I, like I told you, I'm not mad or angry. I'm trying to turn lemons into lemonade here and make this podcast and try to explain to people uh, what's going on. And, and I, I just think it's kind of fun to take some, a bad situation like this and turn it into something else like this piece of media. But I do have a, a little bit of uh, you know, understanding for your point of view, and I do believe you to be a human and not a crook or a bad guy. That I do. Uh, so I'll, I'll shift and be a little nice there. But I thought it was particularly you were particularly humanized in a way um, because I, I felt bad for you with all the tour managers there, yet I felt compelled to be... Uh, one of them. <laughs> no, not one up them, but just to be... Like, my, my goal in that was to maybe have a little bit of leadership, like not let it get out of control, show that we, we cared, we were stern, we had thoughts, but I didn't want anybody to be petty or mean or, of course, violent or anything like that. But I thought it was particularly humanizing at one point um, when I was like, okay, we settled merch with you, which meant we gave... We sold, I don't know, $800 in merch, which is cool, and we paid $200 for a merch fee at, when we packed up, Josh packed up our merch and gave you guys 20% per contract for the uh, merch fee. And then, so at one point, I, when I found out that we didn't have a deposit yet, I said, so, so far, the only thing that's happened here is we flew here, flew to South Texas, came here, got our stuff, sold some merch, played the show, and paid you $200. That was the particular point hey, we were in. We gave that money back, though. We yes, I know. That's what I'm going to say. But and I wouldn't have. Ex- and, and but then you actually, I knew that cash was in the room or somewhere because we gave it to you, and yeah. it, it you actually went, left, and came back and gave me, you know, ten twenty dollar bills back. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's a real guy. I mean, if you were already in the hole and you already had that cash somewhere else, you could have made up yet another excuse. But I thought it particularly hilarious that not only do we fly there and not get paid, all we did was fly there and then pay you. And then we were supposed to leave. I thought that was hilarious. But that was a humanizing moment for me to, for, to you that you did that and gave people their merch feedback when you could have just put it toward Deftones Guarantee for all I, I would have known at that point. So I did appreciate yeah. that. Um, what do you wish you'd done differently, like looking at this whole thing though, like at this festival? 
Man, you should have had the big act of the Deftones. You should have what? There's a lot. There's a lot, man. I mean, um, you know, I guess for for me personally, uh, when we first started this festival, the first four years were very uh, diverse. Mm -hmm. There were they included hip hop, some electronic music, some DJs, pop. Uh, I mean, it was very, I guess fun and energetic in the sense that almost every festival you go to nowadays is very diverse. And about four years ago, we made up, made a decision to just cater to the rock community. Mm -hmm. And ever since we only catered to the rock community every single year, our numbers went down, Mm -hmm. but we were still very like, we can do this. We can get the right lineup together. How much more money did you spend on this festival than last year and the other years? Did you spend way more to, to buy this talent? Or is yeah, it- this one, this one, okay. I, mean, it, I think the last expensive festival that was very similar to this, this one that just passed was in 2012 and we had uh, Wiz Khalifa, we had Skrillex, we had um, uh-huh. a lot of cool different and they were expensive. genre bands and it was about the same cost. I mean, um, and you covered, you broke even on, you broke even on that one with this, the same amount of costs. I'm sorry, say it again. You broke even on that festival or profited with the same amount of costs? Actually, no, we lost money, but it was manageable. Okay. You know, our festival has only been profitable two years out of eight, mm-hmm. and, but it's always been manageable. You know, you lose five grand, 10 grand, five grand, 20 grand. Hey, you can manage that. That's, 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 in, that's, quote, quote, but some, quote, sometimes you make money doing shows, right? It's not charity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so, you, I mean, what do you make money on the smaller shows and club shows? I mean, I haven't done a club show in a while. We've, we've okay. only been dedicating ourselves to the festival for mm-hmm. the last couple of years. But, I mean, the, from 2009, I'm mean, sorry, 2004 till about 2012 is when we did a lot of club shows. I mean, we were arranging 20, 30, 40 club shows a year. And then we just started to refocus on the festival and just kind of like we, we, we slowly started putting on less club shows because it's, it's still McAllen. It's still a difficult market. You know, the bands that we love, we don't have a major market with mm-hmm. the I think our market is really only about 125,000 people in McAllen, but with a combined area of all of South Texas, and then you're talking maybe a million or two. It, I, but it's you know, still very minimal. I feel so, bad for promoters because it's it's tough because I understand that this is a small place. So every time I'm in a small town, they say you guys should come to, and they name their small town. Somebody told me I should we should go to Victoria Island or Vancouver Island in um, British Columbia, and they think yeah because if you came there. I mean, people would go crazy because nobody ever comes here. And, I, I, and I, I'm like, well, that's why nobody comes there because you, you and your five friends don't make a good show. I know y'all would be super excited, but there's only five out of every 100,000 people that live somewhere that are Emory fans. So, yeah, go somewhere where there's 18 million people like New York. Sure, we can sell 1,000 tickets, but we can't yeah. in Vancouver Island. And McAllen, Texas, as you said, is a tertiary market. And so a lot of times you find promoters who think, well, dude, Emory's like, awesome they're huge if we could get them surely enough people would come and so if they're if their agents asking for 10 grand it must be what they're worth but honestly maybe we're not and so you get in that situation sometimes so it's kind of i mean you know i don't it's hard because we we've had agents before that ask for more money than we're worth which is reasonable if there's a gig you're trying to turn down or not do but it's but you can put a promoter in a really tough spot there so sometimes yeah. i feel like the band is so shielded from knowing what their own worth is that you we can show up somewhere and go oh crap this kid this 20 year old girl is as didn't know what she was getting into and now we're down here and we have to do everything we can to collect but she she's just dumb she just didn't know this is like this is sad and then we say, well, should she, do we make her pay us? I mean, what are we supposed to do? So it, yeah. it's tough. I mean, 
What do you have a favorable relationship with these agents, or do you see them as bad guys here? No, I not mean, even not, not these specifically, but promoter versus agent from your point of view. Is that no, usually go well, or do you feel like they bully you? No, no, no. I think for the most part, most of them. I want to say about ninety percent of them, we have good relationships. You know, long-standing relationships. You know, from Dave Shapiro to JJ Cassier. Uh, a lot of guys that I've been working with for a very long time that, mm-hmm. and that have always trusted me with shows and we've always done right. And to me, that was the main reason to not file bankruptcy. It's like, dude, if we file for bankruptcy, like, that's it. So you, that, but you, yeah, in general, it. when you're doing shows, don't feel bullied by the, the agent, at least. You feel like it's a, a good not deal? for the most part, man. I think, you know, mm-hmm. to me, it's, you know, in 12 years, I think I've built a good, you know, relationships with most of these guys, and you know, we've always had a good rapport, even on bad shows. I mean, when there's a bad show, bands still got to get paid. It's not so, adversarial by nature, even. It's like y'all feel like you, you feel, promoter like you feels like, yeah, we work together with agents really well. It's not an adversarial situation. Yeah, for me, I'm, I feel like I can, I can be, I can, I'm lucky enough to say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I've heard other, you know, promoter agent, you know, horror stories. But if you're a good guy and you pay your bills and everything's cool and every the bands are happy, then everyone's you know honky dory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, to us, it was just, I mean, this I've lost sleep, I've lost money, I've lost my livelihood from this festival, and it's kind of like, man, people don't know what goes on behind the scenes and how much we invest and how much we you know really risk for everything. I mean, we've we took out like fifty thousand in loans, and you know right now we're even trying to sell one of our cars. I mean. We're doing whatever we can does, to try to... Does all the uh, audio production stages and lighting guys, they get paid in advance or did you have a problem with them? Both, both. Yeah, some got paid in advance in deposits and the other bands are... I mean, the other production companies are still waiting So there's for some production time. companies that, yeah. that, that are shorted too. Yeah, I was, I was curious about that. I don't know how that works. Um, so yeah. you had local bands so uh, doing ticket sales here, right? Like lo- the local bands pre- would pre-sale yeah, or... or do, how, do you like that practice? Is that, is that, is that a promoter... Preference you know, or an agent it, preference to have I local band sell more, tickets? I think, well, it's definitely promoter preference because it helps us, you know, every ticket out there is almost like a flyer. So when, uh-huh. when we can, and it, they're just a part of our massive street team. So I'm not the biggest fan of that um, practice because there's a lot of money going around everywhere. You know, people can, we've had, you know, people get jumped for money or people steal tickets. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's a lot of bad things that can happen when someone just walking around with tickets because a ticket is money. Yeah, so you know, it's a it, good it sucks, strategy. But. I don't know if people understand exactly how it works, but the idea is it's hard to get the word out. So if a local band, Emory's playing a club show in McAllen, and so the local band gets to play, good for them. They're going to get to play for our crowd, and then they go sell tickets, and they're maybe required to, or in, in a situation theoretically it could be pay to play. I guess you could do it any different ways where they're responsible to sell fifty tickets to get to play, um, and they pay, you know, and then they go do it. The good news is they're not really selling to their fans. The idea is that. Emory has fans. They just need to go let do the hustle, the groundwork, the Facebook work, and let people know so that they can buy the $25 Emory ticket because it's not like they really could sell that many just to draw of, of themselves of an expensive ticket where they're going to get to play eight songs. So they're mostly a promotional uh, – they're a promotional method for Emory. They're not necessarily selling tickets for people to see them. But yeah, they're definitely an extension of the festival in a sense. I mean, they, they're a part of our street team. They're a part of our core. They're a part mm-hmm. of our supporters. So, you know, they want to get, they want to let as many people know just as much as we want to let people know. So, I mean, yeah. we do our part on the heavy stuff, you know, 5000 for billboards, 10000 for commercials, mm-hmm. 20000 for this. And, 
and all we ask is, hey, man, help us out. We're trying to sell some yeah. tickets. But sometimes, some sometimes the local bands feel abused in that situation, and it's kind of confusing because they'll think, but we sold 50 tickets, but maybe they were just Emory fans that they sold them to, or they didn't, and some bands maybe don't sell their tickets, and then they complain. Or the band, like Headliner, maybe doesn't even realize it or thank them or appreciate them or watch them. I know that happens. But on the other hand, if a local band sold 200 tickets and 250 people showed up, then maybe we're overinflating the touring band's numbers. You know what I mean? Like maybe they are the ones that are responsible for the good show, and yet the touring band gets to walk away saying, "Yeah, we drew 450 in this market," when really it was just people that you know, local bands selling to their aunt and uncle. Yeah, and I mean for us because we're a tertiary market, it helps us. You know, yeah. any any help that we can get to get the word out and to get more tickets sold and to get people to come to the festival. I mean, it all works hand in hand. Just as festival okay well that's cool we respect that but mm -hmm. if you guys want to help us out we'd really appreciate it you know but so the local bands are, are there on your side here and don't feel abused and they're like you said you have support even from from them in the community or how do yeah, they feel we have a lot of support from local bands there's some bands down here that, i mean that they've you know they've been a huge extension of the festival for a long time and we even have older bands you know the bands that played the first year and second year everyone's just kind of like rising up because you know yeah things went haywire things went sour things went I mean, to places where, you know, the darkest in our lives. I mean, I've never felt this way ever. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm losing sleep. I can't go to bed. My heart's racing at four in the morning. So you, know, you got it, some bad press. Um, I don't, yeah, like, so you've gotten what bad articles written locally. Some people forward me just art, local articles and stuff like that. Um, or are they saying things, are there things out there that people are saying that aren't true? Absolutely. I mean, I'll know, let, I'd be glad to let you speak to any of those or clear them up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the main ones was like, no bands got paid. It's like, hey, we sent out some deposits, you know. Yeah, like, uh, by the uh, way, our, ours came through 72 hours or something ago. We got uh, $1,000. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. So well, going back to the original, one of the original articles, one of the original articles is like, uh, you know, so-and-so bands, you know, complain that no one got paid and that we collected all the merch money. It's like, dude, we have zero merch money. Everyone got their merch money back. That's mm -hmm. one. You know, zero bands got paid. Well, that's... Quote unquote true. But Almost all true. the bands like didn't bands. get paid in full is a more yeah, true way to statement. Yeah, exactly. And some had, and at the time of the festival when they left, most bands did not get paid. So exactly. at least it may be a time when it was close to true. Yeah. And now exactly. you're making, starting to make good on it. So good, good yeah. to report that. Uh, let me see what else. What else did the article say? I don't know. That's that's the main one that really just ticked me off. Oh, and like, like I did see one comment that said the whole thing is a drug money laundering. Scam the festival. Is that oh true? Oh my god. Hell no. <laughs> no, no, no. Dude, I wish we were funded by a drug cartel. Hell no, man. We were funded by a drug cartel. No, you don't, because you would you would that you know, you would have lost their money and you would be in a ditch if if, they, if you were funded by a drug cartel. Yeah, right. Somewhere, man. Right, yeah. You don't you don't wish that, I'm sure. And being I guess is McAllen a border town? Yeah, McAllen is very much a yeah. border town. So we do see that kind of stuff yeah. happen all the time. I mean, it's interesting, like the day I don't want to disclose any names, but there's an arena in town mm -hmm. that, um, you know, four days after our event or so, there was an event at, at a, one of the big, you know, arenas in town. So I go to the arena and I speak to one of the, the staff there and they're like, hey, man, so how was NSN? And I was like, well, man, I'm sure you read the paper, man. You know, it was not the prettiest sight, and, you know, but we're still trying to get through it and trying to make things right. And he's like, dude, don't even worry about the don't even worry about the media. Like, did you hear about us? Like, it's a, apparently we're being accused of hiring a drug cartel to do all of our concessions. 
And it was a true story. I mean, it came out of the local paper that same morning. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus, dude, like if it's not one thing, it's another. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of retarded. You know, being in a border town, we definitely see those kind of situations happen, you know, where yeah. someone's an uncle of someone or, or you know, we've, we've had a, I'm, I don't know if you saw a story on Rolling Stone about a year or two ago about even our local, you know, county sheriff being involved in a lot of stuff. And I mean, we, that's, that's where, you know, the, the South Texas has had a little bad taste in its mouth, but mm-hmm. here we are trying to do good and bring music and bring all kinds of shows and, you know, keep some sort of entertainment for our community down here going. And then this happens and it's like, well, fuck, we're, you know, we've got to start from zero or, I mean, we've, we've already come to the conclusion that maybe that was our last festival. Maybe we're done throwing yeah. shows, but we still want to make things right. Yeah. I, I, I half understand both of those. Like, um, but only I really honestly only understand half. Like first of all, I don't know what the point of of these is. It just in some I mean a lot. It's I tell you what the other festivals fail too. Okay, so Soundwave failed in Australia, which was the biggest thing in the world and huge and one of the best festivals ever. The best time I've ever had in my life was on Soundwave Festival. But it ultimately got about a year behind and wasn't able to pay and failed. Cornerstone Festival failed. It got bigger, it got bigger, and eventually it just takes one bad bet and you're ruined. It almost seems inevitable. And then a lot of festivals have just stopped because they weren't profitable where they did pay. Um, but still, you know, they didn't go out in a blaze, but they calculated it as time to end. So, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about the future of festivals? What's the point? It's tough, man. I mean, if you've got a good formula and a good market, you know, you know, all power to you. And, and this, and this time, I like to give a little shout out to you know, and you know, Mike Zemer in Dallas. That guy's yeah. doing incredible things in Dallas with So What Music Festival. So it, it, I mean, I hate to uh, to point that you can put a festival on in Texas and do really well uh, and rub it in your nose, but that one was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, he did, I, it was. A, it was like the backstage was good. Everything about it was super. Super smooth. I mean, it's not. It's, Dallas is a different market for sure. And Huge. and and yeah. Mike Mike is a good is a great promoter. I mean, he really is. And and that festival was great. So I don't know. Maybe he lost money. Who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm probably not. But I don't know how it went from his point of view. But from the artist's point of view, that one actually, in contrast, went really well. So it is possible. And I love playing festivals. Like if yeah, my, I mean, my ideal career would be to do festivals every other weekend, I would love it. That's perfect. But. Yeah. They keep going away. So I pull for the pest festival promoters. I really do. I've, I've, you know, I've been to a lot of festivals that lost money, but in most of those cases, they were either backed by a Christian organization or they had paid in full up front or it was a nonprofit or the guy had, I mean, they don't usually bust, but I've seen the tons of festivals where we lose money. We played a festival one time where we, it was us and POD headlining. I, there was 300 people there. Oh, man. So you can make some guesses on that. And we got paid more than $5,000 because I said, if you're a promoter out there, try to get us ten grand. That's what we really want to do. <laughs> we'll probably take it. You guys are totally worth it too, man. I mean, but um, but POD, I know, was a multiple of that. I don't know what multiple. And there was 300 people in the front of the state. I mean, it, it's, it's happened. But you can't control it. It's not my job to police it to know. I don't know. All I know is I, I see this on the, fe- on the thing like four months out. How could I know if it's going to go good? If the, I mean, There's no way for me to discern the market. All I can say is, yeah, book it. We'll take it. Uh, okay, we'll take that one. Let's put a couple shows around it, see if we can make some money. Um, try to get a deposit. We'll try more in the future to do next time. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. But on, on from your point of view, that's not easy. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to think that it, you should even pay it off if you could. I don't. I mean, like I would say, bankruptcy might be the way the way to go. But you you you're not. You have faced the reality of you may not do shows. It's not you're trying to do the right thing, and you hope you could do shows again. 
You know what? The, the, the shows thing, um, it's tough. I, I can't answer. Maybe not. For, Maybe you don't want to because of this negative experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't answer for, you know, from for agents or managers that want to work with us or not work with us in the future. But we're at the end of the day, we're trying to make things right. Uh, I'm not looking at that right now in the sense of like, I want to keep throwing shows. You know, prior to NSN, um, just like what you said, you know, like, you know, the dream was to just throw festivals for, for my livelihood. I mean, that's like the coolest job in the world. It's e- not easy, but it's, you know, it's fun. It's energetic. You're providing entertainment. It's expensive. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking ahead of like, what else can we do after NSN? You know, and I was thinking of like a beer festival or, you mm-hmm. know, food and wine festival, but including music in it. So I was thinking ahead before NSN happened. And then NSN happened, not to think about bankruptcy. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if those ideas are going to come to fruition anymore because of NSN. So that's where it's really hurt us a lot. You know, I mean, we we thought we had a good 12 year run and we wanted to make a 24 year run. You know, I wanted to Mm -hmm. I wanted to see myself being 50 years old and still, you know, funding, promoting, you know, doing these kind of shows, even as a hobby, because it's it it felt good being able to provide these kind of services to to our area. Well, again, I don't think I think promoter is just a bad Bad. I don't think you should. Business, I don't man. think you should do. I, I've never understood the promoters, you know, impetus to to do this. I guess I do. It's fun, and if you start on a small enough scale, and you're doing six hundred dollar shows and local shows and club shows and two hundred cap, and then you make, a, you know, it can be pretty addictive, and you keep scaling it. But it's, it's inevitable that at some point you're either going to have, I don't know, because I mean the big companies can do it. Live Nation can do it. They yeah. can, you know, they take ten thousand dollar baths and stuff all the time. I mean, you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. And we started that way too. I mean, we started at VFW halls. I mean, my my first show was at a you know 250 capacity room show with the Spill Canvas, Cruiserweight, and uh, As Tall as Lions. And you know, I still remember that to my you know October 24th, 2004, first show ever. And um, you know, VFW halls and small club shows and VFW halls, 50 people, 30 people, 100 people, 500 people. And you're right, it becomes addicting, especially when you're on that. That luck wave where, you know, mm-hmm. being a promoter is a roller coaster ride. You win some, you lose some, you lose some, you win some, you know, in, in, in one show and two after another. And well, I, ha- I hate the feeling of going into a dumb, uh, an inexperienced promoter and knowing that they're my adversary in the sense that I need my tour manager to get money from them, but I feel bad for them. And it's, it's, it, it sucks. Like it's a, I hate it from my point of view because I feel bad for the promoter. But what else yeah. can I feel bad for me too in those situations? It's happened yeah, a lot. We take we'll take reductions in a lot of cases, and this happened plenty of times. You want it to be fair. So the best the thing about the future to me is I'm not super big on agents. Like we're doing our own thing now with these acoustic shows. We don't use an agent. Uh, we we just get paid what we're worth. We sell the tickets, and if we're worth it. We'll show up to the place and play. If not, we'd refund everybody, which isn't going to happen because we're able. We're, we know what we're worth, yeah. and so we test that out, and then we go rent a place. We pay the expenses. We we already have the money before we go because our fans are great. So I kind of am looking forward to some revolutions in the industry, and ideally, everybody would play with get paid what they're worth and then it's up to them to make a viable model so we're doing that all year we have no guarantee we have three or four festivals this year with guarantees the rest of the year no guarantees we're not even taking them we're not using agents we're making our own thing we're designing it and we get paid what we're worth which is awesome I mean that should be that kind of should be the system but as the music as the music business squeezes you know you still have these somewhat traditional old school manager agent type roles that they're going to have to change. I mean, 
the writings on the wall to me that festivals are eh, maybe I, there's got to be other ways to do it. Or we're doing a festival, audio feed festival, and we are promoting it and get a percentage of the tickets that sell through our link. So we have the ability to use the podcast for that. Um, and, and so we're taking a lot less money there than we would. But if people buy their tickets for that festival through us, then we get a kickback. We get a percentage of it. So now we're That's working cool. for them, stuff like that. So there's going to yeah. be new models out there. But this old one of promising money and gambling big that's i think that's silly that's that's i don't think we have to do that with where we're at with technology and and stuff like that but for you you know i think that's where i'm at with it. i'm trying to design new ways to not rely on these weird gamey systems because i've seen a lot of promoters get burned and it kind of is sad it just is yeah, you know? it really is i mean i mean never in a million years would we actually think that having a headliner like deftones was going to bring us only 1800 people <laughs> I mean, that, that's just retarded. You know, yeah. that, I mean, that, we, that was just kind of like that. It, yeah, it was a risky bet, but it was like, I'm pre- I mean, we normally do 3,000, 4,000 people at these festivals. Mm-hmm. So why can't we do the same number plus more? Yeah. You know, so that's where we have like, we're dumbfounded. You know, we, you know going back to some of, the, some of the things that people don't know about our area that also go down during that week. It's, you know, it is spring break week. So everyone is off. Mm-hmm. Now there's no school. Um, for mostly all of Texas. So we did see ticket sales coming in from all over Texas and surrounding states like Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Oklahoma, which is really cool because we were bringing in all these other people outside of our own local market. But at the end of the day, I feel like our own local market is really what just didn't come through for us. You know, I don't think it was the bands. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. the bands are expensive, but uh, it's been a festival going on for eight years and for whatever reason, the local market just decided to do other stuff. Maybe yeah. they thought the ticket was too expensive, but we we repriced the ticket based on the magnitude of the festival. Yeah. I mean, it's a three hundred thousand dollar festival. So and, that's and, insane. Well, to to put oh. into perspective, I went to uh, last night to Under Oath last night here in Seattle, and check this out: they sold more tickets than your festival did, and they just played at a club where the expenses are. I've played there before. I think the expenses would be between six and ten grand for the venue and staff. That's crazy. And they sold two thousand tickets and VIP and everything else. And it was just one band, them, and then they had an opener. I'm sure that yeah. GSP so, I mean, very the, little. And so that's the, and they know and they know what they're worth. I mean, guarantee or not, they could have just they can rent that venue for eight grand and then go sell two thousand tickets at thirty five plus VIP. Crazy. Yeah. You know, and so you had the Deftones and weren't able to draw. You had Deftones and Prada, Emory, everybody else, and you weren't able to draw as much as just Under Oath can right now in in, exactly. in every single market. Exactly, it's, it's, oh, so it's go, really crazy. Yeah, it's that's where we're dumbfounded. But going back to what I was saying, what else goes on in the market is that um, you know we live close to a very big spring break destination. It's called South Padre. South Padre, yeah, I know it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a really it's a beautiful beach town, but. And we've had the opportunity to take our festival over there. And, you know, in hindsight, maybe we should have, maybe we didn't. But we didn't want to go over there because we're not really trying to cater to the spring break, you know, college, you know, nuts, boss of the wall guys. Mm-hmm. We wanted to cater to, like, just the rock community, you know. Like, if you really love rock, just come hang out over here for us. So, I mean, we live about an hour and a half away from the beach. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that hurt us. You know, maybe it was the fact that a lot of these... There was other festivals like So What and South by Southwest going on that people also look going look forward to going to. Mm-hmm. So you know we really can't pinpoint what went wrong because you know we can't change it anyway. You know mm-hmm. we're in a situation which we're trying to get out of it, but I mean it's a it's just a, such a weird market. Yeah, and you know we were learning the really the, the toughest way possible of 
how this market really is, you know, it's, it's economics are. And, you know, maybe this was the last festival for us for a long time. You know, we well, you, you probably could do another one if, uh, I mean, to do another festival, you'll need, you will certainly need to raise the money and do a 100% deposit. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I don't have any ill will. If you could re- pay us a full guarantee before we get on the plane, I would come back. I mean, if that, sure. but that's t- difficult to do. But that's what, it, that's what it would require for you to, to get going, I'm sure, uh, again, <laughs> again there. But I don't know. I mean, if we want to go that route, man, I mean, shit, after all this, yeah. you know, I've, I've already come to the, you know, like internally because, you know, when it comes to both, when it comes to the festival, there's, there's me and there's Geo. And we both have our responsibilities with it. And for me, I do most of the stuff with agents and managers and booking all the bands. And then he does a lot of the street marketing production, you know, funding, finances and all that. So for me, it was like, man, I've been working on this for 12 years, you know, you know, not just putting on my own shows and, and, and festivals, but I also do it for other clients that want my help. Like, hey, man, I hear you can help me get Emory if I want, you know, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, sure. I can. I know the agent. I know the band. We can probably bring them in and whatnot. So we can definitely do something. Hey, man, I'm doing a quick interview. <laughs> Sorry, we'll be done in just a second. But um, so you know, I am not letting you off the hook in any sense. I'm. I would still say I'm disappointed and frustrated about it. Um, but I am asking people that give you a break and understand your point of view. And I'm glad to have you on here to get to explain your kind, you know, point of view kind of thing. You're a human now. There's business is business. I, I do w- I, I do wish you'd sell your car and pay me. That's a lot, still what I hope you would do. So I hope you'll pay us another thousand or fifteen hundred is that you owe us. So I, I really hope you will do that, and that me uh, letting you come on the podcast might grease that wheel a little bit. <laughs> you think we can get there soon? I, oh, definitely, man. We will. And uh, and I, you know I'll continue to speak good of you in the sense that you've been honest. Even honest about your mistakes, and you're willing to come come on this show, which I think is just a very cool piece of media and resource. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and if if we can make good, and you can pay us the the other part of it, and get us to half of what we should have got paid, you know, I, I mean, that's just that's a that's okay. We took a reduction. That's fine. I, I can totally live with that. Uh, and I, I'll credit our ma- manager again, Jason Malhoy from Imperial Management. Good manager. If you need a manager call him up he did some hustle he d- uses the right approach he's not a mean guy he he do you, you had a good exchange with him yeah with jason all the way good guy all, all did, the way did you have some managers or people involved here or, or people that were not as nice oh of course okay. yeah i mean uh jesus yeah yeah it's been a tough couple weeks or have you have you been minute. cussed out on the phone and stuff like that Oh, hell yeah, for sure. <laughs> Email, phone, yeah. faxing, smoke signals, I, all of it, man. You know, and a lot of it, you know, very, very personal threats. Or really? Very, like, you know, you will never do a show again. And I'm like, do I fucking give a fuck anymore? Right. Like, after this, I don't give a fuck anymore, you know? So it's it's very uh, demeaning. It's, it's very it's super weird, yeah. And I, I don't wish, I want to do any strategy I can on a human level to get money from you. I mean, I really do, but it, I mean, it's a whole other thing to go into personal. It's not, per- it really isn't personal. Like, the worst thing I can do personally is have a opinion of you or a lack of respect. That's the worst that I can threaten, you know. But it's weird because I've seen and tour managers and touring. There's tons of stories of a gun or this person pulled a gun or they threatened him or the big tour manager with the biggest biceps can get paid. I think that's so bizarre in a sense. But you know, but the, you, I hear stories of it. We had we had we had somebody fly, a promoter flash a gun on a festival once that took a bath. 
He said he was going to pay us and went to the truck and it was getting heated. And I believe it's, yeah, I can't say for sure. I'm pretty sure it was Paul from Silverstein <laughs> and the guy pulled six shows a gun instead of paying him. And just, you know, okay, we'll back off. What We weren't going to hit you anyway. Paul from Silverstein wasn't about to attack you, but okay. Yeah. So it's, it can get really squirrely in there. And I am sorry if you suffered any personal demeaning attacks or certainly if it affects you or family and your friends. It, it shouldn't. But at the same time, I hope, you, I hope you can raise some more money and, and, and make it right as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's our maximum effort right now. We're, we're trying everything we can to make this right. And yeah, like we easily can throw out the bankruptcy card and it's, it's there if we want. Mm-hmm. It's easy. You know what can happen or what will happen, but we're trying not to go that route. We really are trying to make things right with everyone. Whether we throw a show or the festival in the future, that's yet to be seen, okay. but we still want to make things right. We're human. We know what it's like to be a band. We know how hard it is to be a band, just as hard as it is to be a promoter. Yeah. You know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing what we do, True. whether it's throwing a festival or being in a band. But it True. takes a different mentality to be put yourself in these positions. And honestly, I mean, you can't grow and learn without failure. I mean, this is a big one for us. This is a huge <laughs> failure. Say, I, mean, yeah. we're not, I mean, but what I'm really thankful for is that we, we're learning from it and mm-hmm. we're going through it because if you don't go through something like this, then you're never going to learn and you're mm-hmm. going to keep repeating your mistakes. So, you know, in hindsight, it's like, well, we're growing. I'm going to be a fucking man after this because mm-hmm. I can deal with almost anything in my life after this. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up from here. Yeah. So there, there's, I try to keep a very positive attitude and, and so does Gio. And we're trying, we really are trying our hardest to make things right. You know, we're, just like you said, we are human. Mm-hmm. And we know everyone. So we're trying to get as much out there as possible. So it may take a little while, but everyone's going to get what they deserve. Okay. Well, you know, I am going to. I'm going to give you a full sideways thumb on that. You, you have, you are a guy I respect. I, I will even say, I really appreciate you coming and looking at me face to face. And you know, I didn't, I don't think you thought I was going to be real mean or anything like that, but I do appreciate you facing this face to face. I'm even putting this, some of this in video so people can actually see who you are. I think that's kind of important here. And I think that's, uh, yeah, go, go watch. I th- I'll have this on YouTube or somewhere. If you're hearing it in the podcast feed, I'm going to, I might push, I'm, um, hopefully I'm doing it live to see if people can see it too, but I don't know if anybody's going to catch that. I don't know if it worked or not, but um, yeah, I just want people to see you and give you a chance here. And I respect that you would come on, say it, that you're not hiding. Even the way you handled the terrible failure that night was was human, and I appreciate that. So thank you very much, Zar, for coming on, and good luck to you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate this. You guys have a good one. All right, thanks, Zar. We'll be in touch. All right. All right. Well. There you have it, folks. Uh, told you I would be happy to report to you that we did get paid. We got a thousand bucks, and I'm you, you know, I'm fifty fifty whether we'll get another thousand, but I will drop it after that. And I don't have anything ill to say about Czar, but I'll transition into one more appeal. If you want to support something like this podcast, which I do, that is free, which is fine if you take it for free. If you'd like to donate a dollar, contribute a dollar, pay a dollar—that's the right word for it. It's not donate, pay. If you pay for this show. Or any other podcast that you, anything you consume that's free, if they give you the opportunity or option to pay for it, like if a band does a pay what you want or a podcast, my point of view is you will enjoy it more if you do that. If you pay 
$2 an episode for the podcast you like, if that's something that the host is into and accepts, you will feel invested. You will contribute to it. And every podcast and every band out there is going to, if you like it, it's only going to last a certain amount of time and it's only going to last as much as they can put into it for what they get out of it proportionally for their time. So every time you help an artist that you like, it is not bullshit. You really do contribute to the fact that there will be more episodes. It's, it's real. And like anything, what you give to, you will appreciate more. You, you appreciate, same as I appreciate a beer more if I've worked out. I feel like I, maybe I've earned it or I've put something in. And it's a little bit of a payoff there and you, and you feel better about it. If you cut your own grass or, or reframe uh, the, a wall or sheetrock something in your house, you're going to always love that wall. It's going to mean more to you knowing that you hung the, the drywall yourself and put the spackling, fixed hole, whatever it is. So if, if you don't mind, if you feel like it, uh, support this show. Go to breakitdownpod.com and click the contribute button and, you know, kick some this direction. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.